Can you predict what will come in 100 years, or in 10, or in the next minute? Some people think they can. They'll predict the shape of the future because they make the future, because they see beyond the known dimensions of time and space into the unknown dimension X. We go ahead now in time. Welcome, everyone. We have a great show today. The guest for the show is Bruce Rose. Bruce, believe it or not, was the vice president and principal scientist for the Weather Channel. Y'all, this guy is a legit scientist, a legit climate scientist, a meteorologist. That's not exactly the correct term. Please forgive me, Bruce, for forgetting. He explains it during the interview. But this dude's a doctor. This dude is legit. You might be asking, Matt, how did you get such a legit, a, such a legit guest on such a crappy show? I fucking hate your show. I never listen. I hate you. Your hopes and dreams are dumb. You'll, you'll never succeed. And I say, wait a second. Wait a second. Wow, that's really harsh. That's really, really harsh, and that hurts my feelings. It really does. Okay, okay? This is a legitimate show, and I can get a legit meteorologist as a guest. Okay, that's how I roll. Uh, Not really. I'm friends with Bruce. We were on a trivia team together, and if I do say my... If I do say so myself, we were a very good team in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Name of the team, Chico's Bell Bonds. We regularly placed in the citywide championships and we were nationally ranked. And you may be wondering, wow, Matt, are you really that smart to be on a trivia team? with a principal scientist at the Weather Channel? And the answer is, yeah, exactly. I'm that smart. If you haven't been listening, you don't know that. But if you've been listening to the show, you know that very well. And anyway, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't. Just listen to the show or don't. You know, just watch your TV, watch your Netflix, watch the content. That you think is better than the Matt Vaughn show. But really, truthfully, 
little is better than this show. And that's a fact. So, anyway, enjoy. And okay, how I'm, in- I'm recording. Yeah, that's that's fine. Now, Finnegan's You've been fascinated with what? With what novel? Well, I'm fascinated with James Joyce. I don't know a lot about him. I've read, uh, uh, what is it, Artist as a Young Man, or what was he, what's the first one that was right, sort of right. pen, penetrable. Ulysses, I didn't find penetrable at all. And of course, Finnegan's Wake just seems like a, like a stream of consciousness, bad nightmare. I mean, it's, uh, it's really quite something. <laughs> But I've read a lot about it because you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this knowing me a little bit. You know, I've um, since retiring, I have a, uh, uh, an author every year that I pick and I read literally everything the guy or gal ever wrote for that year. Nice, nice. I like it. And, you know, so I've been through Hemingway I've actually read I've read everything that Hemingway published I've read mm-hmm. almost everything that Dostoevsky published I don't oh, I don't I don't get it you know it's not that it's it's not that it's hard to understand I just don't know why it is so like timeless and considered a classic and why these are considered such great books although in the case of Hemingway it's just like yeah these are all these are all really great books and I I loved every one of them but I got to James Joyce I did not pick him as an author because I knew I couldn't read all of all of Joyce I just I just want to enjoy it I, I've never read Finnegan's right. Wake but I read Ulysses and I've read portions of Finnegan's Wake and it's like holy cow but anyway the, the story I was telling you Gravity's Rainbow uh, Thomas Pynchon uh, Pynchon I need to read some Pynchon. Is it Pynchon or Pynchon? I don't know. I don't know. I've never, I've never heard it spoken aloud, but uh, I, I Gravity's Rainbow, I knew Gravity's Rainbow was tough. So I got a companion book that, you know, literally annotated every paragraph of that book. And I read them simultaneously, which was an interesting, yeah, it was an interesting uh, little sort of project. Um, you know, for my money, you know, Don DeLillo is way better and and more like just more entertaining and just, you know, just as heavy and deep and, and symbolic and, you know, Gravity's Rainbow. It's just no, no, I just I just wasn't I wasn't that impressed. And then the other guy, right. you know, David Foster Wallace, the guy that right, you know, right. killed himself. And, you know, if you're into like modern literature, you know, he's he's a guy that you know he. Uh, he, he's my hero. I mean, DeLillo, DeLillo's great, but, you know, David Foster Wallace, and it's like, why, why this guy, gee whiz, do you, know, do you know what he did? He went on his parents' back porch and hung himself, and he had this Is whole thing. Ah, right? uh, yeah, and he had this whole thing with his parents, and, you know, he was... Trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning, everybody, trigger warning. Oh, trigger warning? What's a trigger warning? It's going to trigger another uh, story? No, have you have you not heard of trigger warnings? It's like uh, oh. the big thing of woke, uh, woke culture. It's a lot of uh, cultural uh, baggage with trigger warnings. Now, so what they say is, with it's like part of the woke culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah, we're into yeah. some good. 
now we're into some good pod right now. This is good pod right here. Okay, woke, <laughs> wait, 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 woke culture. Trigger warnings are like a thing from woke culture and they're designed to let someone know like before a lecture, this could be triggering. And I find as a therapist that they're misused. I believe that woke culture has sort of bastardized, bastardized them and sort of taking us away from their importance. And they are important. I mean, it's a good idea. If you're going to be talking about something that could be triggering, you know, it's a good warning, like a spoiler alert. Like one podcast I did um, that I do with Bob Dobbs, who is the, he is really into Finnegan's Wake. So he was a student of Marshall McLuhan and Marshall McC people who study Marshall McLuhan are all into Finnegan's Wake. So he yeah. was on a podcast and he was talking about like this really intense rape case. Like, you know, and I was like, stop it right here. Trigger warning. I put the trigger warning in the um, description because, uh, you know, it, it really could trigger someone if they don't want to, you know, if they're struggling with something. So it's good. I think it's a good idea to let people know, like a spoiler alert, same things like, Hey, if trigger, you have some trigger warning, what do you, what do you, what is it you're triggering? You're triggering uh, suicide ideation. Is that what's the trigger? Is? Su suicide, suicide. Like for example, you know, maybe someone, and now we're in the trigger warning so we can talk about this. Say someone walk, you know, saw a family member hanging and like literally dealt with that, like having to, you know, come across a family member who'd killed themselves. They might not want to just, be, remember, be reminded of that in some random stupid podcast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. with okay. Matt and Bruce just spouting off. It's like, you know, not Spo worth it. Spoiler alert. Yeah, that I, that I understand. I understand spoiler alerts. But, yeah, it's uh, like the spoiler alert. Okay, okay. And while on a subject, and before I forget, uh, the one podcast I listened to, and I did, re I read your background stuff too, and you know I get a big kick out of you, Matt. Um, Thank you, Bruce. You I, get a, a kick, you, I get a big kick out of you, man. You had a 40, you know, 45, 50 minute conversation with a woman who was clearly your mother, right? <laughs> was not yeah. an actress, like <laughs> pretending to be your mom or reading some script or, you know, maybe you were extemporaneous size. You know, it's clearly your mom, right? I mean, there is no, unless it was like Meryl Streep, I mean, who had immersed herself <laughs> into the role so thoroughly, she, you know, it, it, it was so convincing. You know, but then you put in this disclaimer. You put in this, and, and, and you talked about your lawyers, you had conferred with your lawyers, and, you know, it was, <laughs> it was best that you put in this disclaimer about, this was not really your mom. It was uh, it was an actress, and this was a you know a reenactment, or this was a a, a a fictional drama, right? This was not you talking to your mom, Bruce. And I want you to know, you know, I uh, dabble in writing, and I'm just showcasing how good my writing skills are. That's all scripted. I wrote it. You know, it's so compelling. Any actress. Could read that script and come across as my mom that's how good of a writer i am no but in all seriousness i'm i'm so you tell me if i'm wrong you know i'm so paranoid these days i don't want to get anybody in trouble mm -hmm. and you know it's like 
I'm now starting to put my stuff out there under my name and I feel like I could be in trouble at any time and I don't want to get my family in trouble. I mean, I have friends who won't come on the show because they don't want to get in trouble, you know, say the wrong thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You put it out there, right? Don't yeah, you put stuff out there and that's it. It's out there forever. Um, so yes, I understand that. I thought the linkage in my brain was to Andy Kaufman and it's like, this is, this is ultimately a bit and it's super, super subtle. Nobody, nobody's going to even get this bit, but that's not the point, right? If you're an Andy Kaufman like comic, all you care about is that you get it and it, it's meaningful to you, right? So exactly. I wanted to ask exactly. you about it and it, it made me think of Kaufman and you and your mom talked about Andy Kaufman and his wrestling career and, and other things in that podcast, which I thought, I, I, again, I've always, I have always been interested in Andy Kaufman from the point that he did that bit on uh, Saturday Night Live right, where he, uh, he karaoke'd to uh, the Mighty Mouse theme right right uh, do you actually remember that matt you're kind of you're you're a little young because um, that was no, way see, back yeah i don't remember it i never got to see him in person but i'm a i'm a huge andy kaufman fan so it's very nice to have a a learned person see the influence of andy kaufman in my work because definitely he's inspired me and let me let the audience know who I'm talking to. We're talking to right now. This is not just some ordinary dude who we're no. talking to. This is Bruce no. Rose. Yeah. Chief, excuse me. A, what are your accolades? I mean, you were like, you were in charge of the weather channel, like the, the most, the chief, <laughs> like you're in charge of the weather for the weather channel. You make it happen and then analyze it. Is that right? Or have I got this wrong? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I semi-retired from the Weather Channel in Atlanta, Georgia, and my title when I left uh, left the firm was uh, principal scientist and vice president, the Weather Channel. So this is what we're talking about here, people. This is a real scientist, okay? And he's seen Andy Kaufman influences. It's very gratifying, Bruce. I love it. I love it so much. But um, Hmm. What were we talking about? Andy Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Andy Kaufman. We were talking about yeah. Andy Kaufman, right? See, I remembered. I remembered. Obviously, I was putting on that I had forgotten. Homage to Andy Kaufman. No, what? I love Andy Kaufman so much. Have you seen his documentary, uh, Andy Kaufman? I'm from Hollywood. Yeah, no, no, I haven't. And um, it's about his wrestling career. Yeah, highly recommend it. I'm sure it's online now. And it's then there so was that. Good. But okay, so one thing at a time. Did did you see the Saturday Night Live bit? And I'm pretty sure it was the first time he was ever on Saturday Night Live. I've and seen, when he came I've out with he came out with an old record yeah. player. It was the Mighty Mouse theme. Which, which is, and, and it's funny because the only thing he lip synced was the guy when he comes in and says, here I am to save the day. That's the only thing he did in the whole bit. So, you know, the, the theme would play and play and play and the audience was giggling like, what the? 
And then he would, when here it is, here I am to say the day that Annie Kaufman would lip sync that. And the hilarious thing was the first time or the first two times he does it perfectly. And it's actually, you, you could tell, I mean, he actually worked on it, right? I mean, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect lip syncing. But then the third time in the refrain, here I am to save the day, he screws up his entry. So he he makes a mistake. And he's got that like latka look on his face, like oh, I'm very sorry. And he makes a mistake and the audience just, just like loses it. Because clearly, clearly the whole thing is, you know, the whole thing is scripted. And this is just his this is his idea of what's really, really freaking hilarious right and you know it, it goes on from there his career is you know and how, how he could be in a sitcom i have no idea i don't know how he could have could have withstood the the stru the structure of a of a you know a, a weekly half hour sitcom i don't know how he could have could have withstood that for so many years it must have been he was probably paid very handsomely yeah yeah have you seen the uh, uh um the movie a man in the moon with jim carrey yeah i did a long time ago well there's a documentary about jim yeah. carrey making the movie which i watched recently yeah. sort of refreshed my memory uh about all this but um yeah is i just love andy kaufman he's so a great guy and it's yeah it's tragic that you know we lost him we lost him early too right it's it's very very sad and yeah, um, definitely, and, and you sort of knew where this was heading, right? I mean, he was, it was like, this was comedy to the death, pretty much. I mean, that's, he, he was so, uh, what's the word? He, he was, you know, it was, Committed. it was, yeah, his method was, it was, it was an art form and there was no compromise. You know, that, the, what was the, his alter ego, the Tony, uh, Remember uh, Tony the guy, Clifton. Tony Clifton, it's unbelievable. And, you know, a lot of discipline, right? Because he never, I don't think he ever admitted or it was ever proven that Tony Clifton was, was Andy Kaufman. I don't know, you know, it, in a court of law, they probably could have proved it. But I don't know in the media, right, it was right, ever right. proven that Tony Clifton was Andy Kaufman. But clearly he was, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, we don't know. So that's the thing. We never know. We don't, but we don't know with it, with a certainty. We don't know. That's the beauty of it. That's what's so funny. But uh, that's why I think he loved wrestling so much. I mean, you, yeah. Bruce, this is a must see. You full stop. You have to watch. I'm from Hollywood. It's uh, like a 40 minute documentary about his wrestling career. It's sublime. Well, who attacks him in the talk show? Is that like uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper or somebody like? No, he's getting no, totally no. in this guy's face. Ric Flair, no, or somebody. I know it. I know it, Bruce. Let's. This is a good moment. Let's let's explain to the audience what we're going to do right now. We're going to figure out the name of that wrestler. Me and Bruce, audience, and when I say audience, I mean my mom. Bruce was a member of the Chico's Belmonts, which was the Atlanta team trivia team that I was a part of. And we were nationally ranked and regularly placed in the citywide championships. So we were on an elite trivia team together. And right now we're gonna show you a little bit, you know, behind the curtain, 
how the sausage is made, what an elite trivia team looks like. Bruce, let's do it. I know this man, I know this guy. So yeah, so so don't write anything I down. Know yet. It. Let's individually let's individually write down what our guess is and then we'll compare it so we don't influence each other, right? Which is one of our tricks, right? Right, right, right. Let's brainstorm. I know it. I'll know it when I see it. I'll know it when I see it a thousand percent and it bothers me. I can't remember this. It's going to be there. I don't think I'll know it when I see it. And I've written down my possibilities. One of them I blurted out, which I guess I shouldn't have done. A couple of them I That's blurted not out. Those. Sorry. It's Sorry not about those. that. It's not those guys. It's not those guys. Thousand no. percent. Thousand percent. Thousand. A bazillion percent. If I don't recognize his name, then it's indication that I have a severe brain trauma and I need to yeah, go to I the could, hospital. I could see him. I could see him. Uh, Going after Kaufman, and then uh, got it, got it, got it. Oh, you're kidding already? Yeah, yes, yeah, Jerry Lawler. Oh, see, yeah, yeah, I would have never come up with that. Jerry Lawler, yeah, the King Jerry Lawler. Yeah, that's that's so great. I I know that because I'm a bit of a wrestling fan. I mean, I'm not like hardcore wrestling guy, but I definitely appreciate the art form and you know keep up with the sort of broad strokes of what's going yeah. on and he, he was even a uh, announcer for the wwe well was that a put on was that was that bit a put on or I, it didn't seem like it seemed it seemed like he really he got the guy's goat and the, the guy came after him because he was really challenging his his manhood and and uh, you know it's just done his whole thing was fake and said hey, yeah you want to see fake i'll show you fake <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, well, I mean, he like way, tapped, way, tapped him out on stage. I think. I mean, it, it, it was uh, it was really quite something. The way the way Lawler uh, tells the story is, it was all um, kayfabe, as they call it. That's the um, technical. Have you heard of kayfabe? No, no, it's the that's, same that's as Trigger. I've not heard. I'm retired. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's the best line. Is that like K pop? Or is it anything like K pop? No, nah, that is the perfect line. Does it require, I'm retired. I don't know what to tell you. Do I have to know how to pronounce Kanoa or anything like that? <laughs> I like that so much. That's You should put that on bumper stickers. I'm retired. I don't know what to tell you. I'm retired. I don't know shit. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you on this. Like, you're on your own on this one. Now, kayfabe is the technical term for when they, um, for the ruse, for the uh, for the uh, theatrical part of it. So the, the big the mas- thing, the mas- the- yeah, the mascarafka, right? Yeah, the uh- right, right, right. It comes from like carni- carnies, like carnival lingo. Kayfabe. Interesting. So you never break kayfabe, but now kayfabe is broken. Um, so when when Vince McMahon uh, changed it to world wrestling federation to world wrestling entertainment that sort of solidified the death of kayfabe so what's interesting about kaufman is that he was doing his art at the time when kayfabe had not been broken and these people wanted to kill him they literally wanted to kill him he in worked them up into a rage um but bruce let's get focused here man we got some work to do behind you is snow 
And for this podcast, I really wanted to do a deep dive into snow. But also, I'm thinking, Bruce, you know, if you'll come back on the show, we'll definitely have you. Um, because I would love to talk more about your deep dive into authors each year. Talk more about trivia. So the, the, the invitation is there. But let's get focused on snow. Okay. I wanted to do a deep dive on snow. And let me tell you how I came up with this. Okay. We were... Um, in a, a small place in Turkey, about two hours away from Istanbul. So on the European side, so heading into Europe, and it's a place called Yolova. And what's interesting is I never experienced this. I thought you might appreciate this. The, um, on the sea level, there was no snow. And you could see the, the mountains or the hills, they call them. Um, it was snow-capped. So I actually got to drive up in to a mountain to where it was, where this, where it was snow. It was the most magical thing, you know, to go from a no snow environment by the sea. And then all of a sudden you're into an environment like right behind you. So it just made me really appreciate snow. And also I had a very particular question I wanted to ask. We were wondering about a particular uh, uh, snow phenomena and I said, I know, I know a person who will know the answer, you know, Bruce. So Bruce, let's get into snow. Let's okay. get into snow. That is, you are a doctor of meteorology. Is that right? Atmospheric sciences. Okay. Okay. Well, hit us with your background. Cause I know you have a dissertation in snowfall and <laughs> on the Great Lakes. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I worked in uh, computers for many years but was a sort of a uh, frustrated weather geek. Uh, something I've always been interested in since I was young. And I did made a career change in my late thirties and went back to school to uh, finish a PhD in uh, atmospheric sciences or meteorology. They're not exactly synonymous, but meteorology is part of atmospheric sciences. And I went Wait, to- so Hold tight. If we want to appear cool and more in the know, you would say atmospheric sciences, right? Is that, is that a way to say it? If you say meteorologists, it might be suggesting that you uh, work in operational meteorology. So you're like a forecaster and you, you, know, you go into some office, which is there's a good chance that it's a, it's a government weather service office. And, and you know, that's, that's what you do for uh, that's your vocation. Uh, now, if you say I'm an atmospheric scientist, it has the overtones of it's like, well, that is more of a scholarly academic might be a, might be teaching, might be researching. I see. So, but te technically, you know, meteorology is a is a specialty under atmospheric sciences, atmospheric science, just like you know, climatologist, hydrologist. I suppose would be any atmospheric scientist, cloud physics. There's people that do nothing but experiment with, um, you know, trying to figure out what the heck's going on in clouds, because that's uh, it's very interesting uh, part yes. part of the uh, equation. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of computer people, that's for sure, because nowadays we predict the weather 
uh, is heavily involved using uh, numerical simulation and computers to project what the atmosphere is going to do out in the future. Very difficult problem. You've got a compressible atmosphere, right? Compressible, like water is not compressible, but it has fluid dynamics where air is compressible and it has fluid dynamics and it's sitting on this okay, rotating okay. spheroid. Okay, time out. What, time, what happened? Time out. What happened? Did I black no, out? I've just, no, I've just lost, you, you, you've lost me. I want to try to like take it real simple because I feel like I can translate this for the listening audience, which is my mom. Mom, thanks for listening. Maybe not even her. Who knows? Who Thank knows? goodness um, for your mom, the actress. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, I could, that would be a way to sort of promote my, my script writing is be like, here, <laughs> translate it, you know, I mean, get it transcribed and, and present yes. that as a talk with mama. That's good. Somebody write that down. Let's do that. All right. That's all right, a, all right. All right. All right. That's a great idea. I mean, you if you if you submitted that, I mean, somebody would read that. And it's like this guy is incredible. The verisimilitude of this script is incredible. I can't believe he can write dialogue like this. I can't believe it. It's almost it. like he recorded an ad hoc conversation and simply, you know, transcribed it, and and that's what he gave us. It's it's almost unbelievable. This guy writes dialogue that is so real. It's like real life. It's unbelievable. All right, let's take your problem with the, the sea level and going up in the snow. Why don't you want to just concentrate on that? Yeah, let's stay with snow. Okay, so, well, first of all, what is snow? <laughs> or more, I should say, wind. <laughs> For those in the audience who don't know, <laughs> don't know what snow is, like what is it operationally defined what let's is let's go real slow all, all right and it's again the closer you look at stuff the uh the, the less you know right like so, when does it go from sleet to snow <laughs> you know what i'm saying i mean i mean seriously like what is the cutoff hit us with it um let me start with a, a simple adage and it'll make sense when i'm done it snows easy and it rains hard. Our local meteorologist, Dick Goddard, used to say that all the time. And that, because that comes from a, it's some old weather lore and, and what it means, it, it's actually sort of a profound statement that it snows easy and it rains hard because all clouds, on the earth are composed of liquid water, solid water or ice and uh, vapor, which is a gas, right? They also have those three components and it's this water, right? It's this water we're worried about. Yes, there's things like condensation nuclei. So you have to have little microscopic particles in the clouds too, because it's got to start condensing on it has to have a surface to condense on but anyway a typical cloud is filled with ice and water all right now the interesting thing about water that most people don't know this but there is a uh, there's an urban legend which happens to be true and the urban legend is if you take like a beer 
Miller High Life and you put it in the freezer and keep in mind the freezer is at, at zero degrees Fahrenheit. That's a typical freezer temperature, right? It's far below freezing, 32 degrees below freezing, way cold, right? It's hardly ever even been zero in Atlanta, right? So zero right. is really, really crazy cold. You put a beer in the freezer and if you're very careful with it, that beer, which is, after all, is almost water. There's some alcohol and other things in it, but it, it will cool. And you had a thermometer and you can actually experiment with this. You could cool that beer far below the freezing point. And it's like, well, wait, 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 wait. I've been told that, you know, water freezes at 32 degrees. And that's true. That is the freezing point of water. But water has the property that you can super cool it. Really? Yeah, it's, it's super cool. And that is the technical term. It's super, super cool. Super cool. Yeah. Holy shit. And super in fact, cool. in clouds, it is ubiquitous to find super cooled water droplets. That is little drops of water that if you were able to measure their temperature, they'd be far below freezing. Maybe not zero degrees Fahrenheit, but they might be like in the teens. Uh, we're talking Fahrenheit scale now. And it's just so like 10, 15 degrees below freezing. These water droplets are still liquid. What? Isn't that weird? You're blowing my mind. Wow. And this, this is a absolutely critical factor in the development of all, almost all precipitation is the fact that you get this super cooled water. And, uh, oh, here's Jan. <laughs> hi. Hey, what's up, what's up? I wanted to say hi. <laughs> hey, good to see you, good to see you. Yeah, same here. I've been uh, up playing around with Zoom myself, so. I'll let uh, Bruce continue his whatever it was he was talking about. Yeah, he's blowing my mind. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know about this super cold water. This is crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> well, I'll let him finish explaining. Nice to see you. Yes, good to see you. Happy uh, New Year. I said Happy New Year. I feel like March... <laughs> Mm, is that the it. it's Tur Turkish calendar. <laughs> it's Turkish calendar. This is the Matt calendar, the Matt Vaughn calendar. I wanted to say something extra nice to Jan. Like, yeah, I nice. felt like saying, you know, I wanted to say, you know, something. Happy spring. Mm, happy spring. Uh, happy Easter is almost here. I mean, that's an important mm -hmm. holiday for for my wife. Uh, uh, so anyway, we're talking about uh, super cold water, right? Okay, and then yeah, you yeah, asked yeah. me, what is snow? Yes. All right. And um, so, so hold that thought about the super cold water. And you see snow falling out of a cloud, if you like put your tongue out or put your arm out and see the flakes falling on your arm, it's like, you know, if, if it was up to me, you know, and I had a cloud, and it like filled up with like water and it, you know, it, but it, it was so cold that, you know, the water froze. 
I really wouldn't expect it to look like this, right? If I would expect this is like the water in the clouds, it's like, well, there was water in the clouds and it froze, right? And uh, yeah, what happens uh, here on earth when water freezes, it's like hard stuff, right? Right. So you talked about right. sleet before, and in fact, sleet, which is the US definition is, you know, an ice pellet, right? And that's what you would expect to sort of come out of the clouds, right? You expect, yeah, I expect, you know, there's raindrops and then it gets cold enough, 32 degrees and they freeze and it falls out of the cloud. And it's like, yeah, it's so sleet is not as surprising as snow, is it? If you think about it, where wow. snow is just okay. like, oh, wow. You know, what, what is this stuff? It's, it's like, uh, it looks like, you know, these snowflakes and, you know, they have so many sides. It looks very complicated. And the closer you look, the more you realize it's sort of a, a fractal and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tremendously complex, just a single snowflake. It's like, what, what is that? And then you start thinking about it. It's like, well, you know, like if you get something that's frosty in the freezer, you know, that's not, that's more like snow than it is like ice, right? It's sort of white. It's like, well, the big difference is these, these things are called um, dendrites or dendritic growth of ice which is different and happens at you know different temperatures and different energy levels than regular old frozen water and in fact you know like designer ice cubes right if they, if they show a maker's mark on ice on tv it's always like the ice cubes are what they're super clear right and what do you think yourself you think man i wish i could i wish i could get ice cubes that were so stylishly clear out of my own freezer. But that's hard to do, isn't it? It's like, why is it hard to do? It's just like, well, like everything else, it's just like something that's pure ice, frozen ice that doesn't have any air in it, doesn't have any ice crystals in it, right? It doesn't have any dendrites, doesn't, it's not frosted in any way. That's really a hard thing to do. So, so lay that aside for the time being and say, huh, that's interesting. So you got a cloud and why isn't it just as simple as like the cloud gets uh, laden with water, the water, like they stick together, they fall out as rain. And if it's cold enough, somehow it snows. It's like, well, it's, what is this snow thing? It's like, well, here's the other factoid. It's like almost everywhere on earth, the only type of precipitation you have is snow. I said, well, why did, well, that's not true. It's like never snows in in, in uh, Atlanta, hardly ever. And and you know, most of the precipitation I'm familiar with is is rain. Rain is the most common precipitation, isn't that right? I said, well, that's true at the surface, but in the clouds, that's not true at all. In fact, it's very rare to have a cloud produce precipitation, falling precipitation that's observed at the surface that does not have any ice in the clouds. So in other words, most precipitation forms as snow in the colder regions of the cloud. As you go up, it gets colder, right? That's, that's a physical law. So in most clouds, the temperature is below freezing within the cloud, even in the middle of the summertime. Right, you think it's like, well, summertime, it's like 80 or 90 degrees. How, how can there be ice in the cloud? It's like, well, have you ever experienced a hailstorm 
you ask yourself the same question. Huh? It's like, of course, there's ice in the storm. In fact, it's mostly ice because that cloud is so deep. It's so deep, it goes up you know, practically six miles into the atmosphere. And by the time you get up there, and you know this, because if you're flying around in an airplane, and if you see that in those monitors, it's like, oh my God, it's like 40 below outside this window. It's not like right. 28, it's like 40 below at, you know, 30,000 feet. It's really cold. And that's how much it cools. So a typical cloud is mostly ice. There's some water, there's some liquid water, but most precipitation starts as snow. And that's why they say it snows easy and rains hard. Matt, if you lived in a cold climate, I couldn't tell you how many times I've gone out at night and it's snowing here in Cleveland. And it's, you know, it's not a heavy snow, but it's accumulating. I mean, I'm going out because I got to shovel the driveway. And I look up and it's snowing and it might be like only a mile visibility, horizontal visibility. I look up and I can see the moon. It's not crystal clear, huh. but I can see it through the clouds and the snow. Okay. okay. And what does that tell me? It's just like, holy cow, that's, there's hardly any cloud in the sky. There's a very thin layer of cloud. It, it might only be like one or 2000 feet thick, but it's enough to produce snow. In a similar case, in the summertime, if I had a thousand foot deep cloud, there's no way in the world it would ever produce rain. So it snows easy, it rains hard. Most precipitation forms as snow, and then it falls through you know, lower layers, warms up, melts, ice. Like any steady rain you experience in Atlanta, I guarantee you all of that precipitation begins as snow. And then it, it reaches the lower levels, it warms up, it melts. And that's why, you know, sometimes rain feels cold too. We have a name for precipitation that does not, that is not formed with ice crystals or snow. And it's called warm rain. And people actually study warm rain. But that's a rare type of snow. Yeah, it's a rare type of, uh, it's a rare type of precipitation warm rain is a rare type of precipitation uh I it's see. common it's common in on the fringes of uh tropical systems hurricanes like atlanta experiences warm rain and you think of, think about this uh ivan moves through back in uh you know, 2004 whenever whenever it was and on the back edge of ivan there was like a thick drizzle Right. So the storm had passed, but it was still like a thick drizzle and the visibility was low. So it's, so it's sort of like misty and foggy and drizzly. And it's like that was warm rain because the tropical systems are so warm. Like, yes, when the heavy rain was moving through, that was there was tons of ice in the clouds because the clouds were super deep. But when they got a little shallower, because tropical systems are so warm that it's like, well, the only way it could rain is like that cloud had no ice. So isn't that interesting? It's all very interesting. Wow. I knew, I knew, I mean, I knew there would be content here. I mean, I know enough to know what I don't know. I know there's some complex stuff going on with snow. I mean, you know. You knew there'd be revelations. 
I mean, I knew there'd be revelations. I mean, you know, I wasn't born yesterday, Bruce. I know. <laughs> but there's some serious shit going on with those clouds. You but better let me ask the you block. <laughs> okay, quadr oh wait, wait. Dendra dendritic growth of ice, you said. Dendritic. 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 I was thinking dandruff. Dendritic. That's no, not dandruffic. It's dendritic. Dendritic. Okay. Dendritic growth of ice. And you mentioned something about the energy level increasing the chance of snow. What's this energy this with this dendritic ice? What's going now on? We get, back, we get back to this cloud physics business and the, um, the formation of precipitation sized particles in clouds is actually a uh, very complicated. They know a lot about it. There's a lot of math involved because it has to do with the phase change of water and how water, when it changes to a solid, it restructures itself, right? And there is a, you know, nature finds the most efficient way to do that. And that is based on humidity and temperature and other considerations, pressure. Uh, so it turns out the bottom line, if you're a meteorologist and you see this in forecast discussions all the time, they'll say, all right. It turns out that like minus 15 centigrade. So, you know, right around 17, 18 degrees Fahrenheit, minus 15 centigrade. It turns out it's like that's the perfect conditions for the formation of dendrites. That is water that's structuring itself in such a way that it has this sort of like needly, spindly appearance to it. And that's what the word dendrite means, right? It's a description of that the sort of needle-like appendages on a snowflake. So when you get like the really good conditions, you have like vapor and water turning right to the, into these dendrites and they're very sticky, right? So they're, it's easy for them to aggregate on one another. So once they start forming, they sort of like bump into each other. They're easily like aggregated. Oh, I see. And they get bigger and bigger, and, and you know, very quickly they they'll turn into, I say, precipitation-sized particles, right? Because they got to get to a certain size before they're heavy enough, and it, it is literally they're heavy enough to overcome the aerodynamic, uh, you know, lift or anything in the clouds and, and fall out and actually reach the ground, right? They have to get big enough, and they therefore have to get heavy enough. Like when water drops are collecting on one another, we call that, it's a different, call that coalescence, right? They coalesce on each other. It's much less efficient and a much slower process. And this uh, is why, oh, right, it, back to the warm rain thing. It's like, well, it's, it snows easy. It's another reason it snows easy is because, well, once you get dendrites, man, they just like, you know, it's, it's like Velcro, right? They just stick to each other super fast. The next thing you know, you have snowflake-sized particles falling out of the cloud. Okay, here's a question. Here's a question, doctor. Doctor of snow. That's snow, snow doctor. Snowdoctor.com. That's it right there. That's, that's the brand. 
Okay. When you, okay. And this is the trust tree. You know, I'm going to say things that might be dumb. So, you know, please don't laugh at me. I'm just a lay person trying to penetrate snow. But it feels like you can tell when it's going to snow. And this happened here in Istanbul. It felt like snow and it snowed. There's a feeling of, is that a thing? This, this, that, that, that's, is that a colloquial thing? Is that scientifically proven with these dendritic growth energy situations? Um, Matt, that's a really that's great question. question no, that's, 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 a, that's, a question? that's a great question. I, I really like questions like that because, you know, the, uh, the artistic part of me, you know, agrees with you that it's like, yeah, it does feel like it's going to snow. The science part of me says, well, I mean, what's, what's going into that? Check your difference, your senses and your sense of sight is saying, oh man, it's just like slate gray overcast. I can't even see any, like the cloud is just, you know, it's just a, nim it's just a nimbus sitting there. And it's like, it looks, it re looks really sort of dark and ominous, but not like a, thunderstorm in the summertime it looks like it's like it's it's sort of that monochromatic gray that it's just you know just just looks like we're it's going to precipitate and then the other thing you sense is like well it's cold right it's got to be cold enough to snow but we also know they say well, well it can't be too cold because there is such a thing as like you know when it's cold and dry you know you think it's like dang it's cold this is like scary cold but it's probably not going to snow because it's just too dry so the other thing you're sensing is humidity right you're saying well not only is it cold it's in that sort of goldilocks zone where it's it's cold but it's not too cold it's a gray overcast and it there's a bit of a you know like humidity in the air like yeah like it's going to do something now is there anything more than that no i, I as, a, as a scientist i'd have to say no, there's not, uh, you're not sensing, uh, you know, some, some, some other like chemical or, 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 or you're, you're not sensing a, another harbinger of snow. Although I see. Yeah. You know, there, I know when it snows, especially when it snows in the fall, there's a smell to it. You know, it's just like a smell. It's like, yeah, and sometimes you almost, sense that it's like you know it smells like it's gonna snow but i have no scientific i have nothing scientific to support that but i, I you know i yeah. like your i love your question and it's like well you know who knows maybe there is something that we have not discovered yet that is you know some some sort of trigger or harbinger of you know it's the snow is going to start falling out of the clouds the other thing matt is Oftentimes, there's a lot of Virga. So Virga, Virga means precipitation falling out of clouds, not reaching the observer or the ground, right? So it's extremely common to have snow Virga. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why the cloud bases are obscured. And that's why you get that like monochromatic sort of just like that um, solid gray look to it. It's like, gee, I can't even tell there's any, you know, there's just like one cloud, right? Over the whole right, sky. Right. But a lot of that is because the cloud base is obscured by falling snow, which has yet to reach the ground. And it's, um, it's not because it's, it's not because of time, it's because of humidity, right? It's like the ground, 
the humidity is too low, so the snow is literally evaporating as it falls before it gets to the ground. It doesn't melt, it evaporates. It goes directly from a solid to a gas. And eventually this process of the snow falling out of the base of the cloud, it starts to moisten up the lower layers. And in, the cloud base is typically only one or 2000 feet above. So it doesn't take very long for falling snow to get the entire you know, subcloud environment into a state where it's like the snow will reach the ground. So that may be another thing you're sensing. Um, I say, I say. More dramatically, you can see, you know, if, if you have good um, contrast, you can see the snow falling out of the clouds. When the weather is showery, a lot of times you can see white sort of showers of precip, and it's like, is that, that looks like, yeah, that is, that's snow falling out of that cloud. You can oh, wow. see it in the yeah. distance, right? And then and you say that's Virga, and meteorologists will it can be frustrating because sometimes accumulating snows, they a, a large part of the snowfall comes down as Virga. So they call that a Virga storm, right? And a Virga storm is a joke. It's like, yeah, I predicted one to three inches last night, but the first two inches fell as Virga. So they never, literally never reached the ground. So we only got an inch of snow and now everybody's yelling at me. I said, I thought we were getting three inches of snow. I said, well, we kind of did have three inches of snow, but two of it. Two of it never reached the ground. <laughs> wow. So that's some of the, wow. So Virga snow is the reason of inaccurate snow forecasts. It is one of a thousand reasons for inaccurate <laughs> snow forecasts. I'm trying to simplify this for the audience. It's the reason, y'all. That's the reason for inaccurate <laughs> snow, snow forecasts. Bruce, this is amazing. This is amazing. I am totally uh excited here okay but i'm guessing like the snow smell thing like it could be sort of like okay the whole gestalt you're taking in all of the sort of factors and your brain sort of takes those factors in as um it's gonna snow you know it's sort of and we experience it as sort of one feeling but there's like all these different factors you're taking in yeah, ask your uh, your broad uh, set of listeners what they think. Right? Is this like do they they buy into this, or perhaps they they know? Uh oh, that's my cat. They know of uh, some other reason why we uh, sense snow is coming. My cat knocked over my camera. Sorry. That's nice. Um, it's all good. Yeah, so so that's snow, and yeah, you can get a PhD in snow, believe it or not. <laughs> Bruce, can you can you move your um, camera down? Ah, perfect. Okay, okay. Um, um, I mean, I'll just do the um, audio I put up as a podcast, but I just have you know visions one day to put it on YouTube because it seems like you get more views on YouTube. What I'm having the vision of, have you seen those YouTube um, like explaining videos to where it's like it's animated? Yeah. I've they, wanted to do that with this show, like take clips from the show and animate them. And like this could be like a cool thing to animate, like snow and all that stuff. Well, what's your mission statement, Matt? I mean, why are you doing this, this, this podcasting? Why do you feel compelled to do this? 
Wow, it's a personal question, Bruce. I don't think I'm at liberty to answer that. <laughs> it's too personal, huh? <laughs> I, thought right, you could, I thought you could read it right off of a, you know, a, a, a little cut sheet that you have in front of you. That I'll answer. I'll answer. That's, I the, basic, that's the basic, right? I mean, what's your mission? Well, here's the mission. Here's the mission. For one, it's to have fun. You know, like it gives me an excuse to have these type of conversations. And also, okay, you know that I've been trying to, quote unquote, make it in Hollywood, as it were, screenwriting, that sort of thing. Um, so I had this revelation that it's like, I mean, why wait? I mean, in this day and age, you don't wait to, for someone to produce your content. You just produce it yourself. So it's like, you know, why not, you know, just do your own show, have fun with it, see what happens. And also I know like on the internet, it seems like things that you never think could be popular, could be popular. And, you know, right now we're small, just my mom listening. So who knows with the internet, what will <laughs> pop off? You know what I'm saying? Like, who knows? Oh, I, who knows, right. And it could be, I wish that would didn't get popular when I get canceled and my license is revoked to practice psychotherapy. Um, yeah, you, know. you might you might come up the next flossing, right? I mean, who, you never know. Yeah, you just never you know. Say it, something or do something that just goes viral. And, our, you know, it's fun. It's fun as well. But um, when we're not recording, I, I can tell you some of my forays into the Hollywood, uh, Turkish Hollywood, as it were. Did I use forays correctly, Bruce? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> forays is fine. Some of my, um, yeah, forays. Uh, forays. Is that, is that right? Some of my, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Forays. Yeah, sure. And I just want to brag to the listener, like, this is my life. You know, I rub elbows with atmospheric scientists, okay? That's the kind of life I am living, y'all. And just you know, sit around rapping about dendrites and stuff. Yeah, I mean, right. that's yeah. it. That's the life, really. The life. <laughs> you are the star of that life, that's for sure. <laughs> Bruce, why why every time you have it correctly then you move it it's like it's the, the cat the cat is on my desk and he is laying literally against the wire that runs from my logitech camera and he's laughing because he knows no. he's now, messing messing with this now that's what gets Talk about internet famous. If we could get a video of your cat doing yeah. this, like that would be yeah. that would be the star. I mean, that's what kills on the internet. I mean, yes. <laughs> nice. That's Fred. Fred, buddy. Fred. 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 Fred, can you move? We're doing a, a broadcast here. <laughs> Not. I, I love it. Okay. I love Fred. That's the greatest. He is That's the greatest. Good. 
just like a good cat. Um, okay, let me ask the questions that sparked me to do this show. Okay, this feels like this could be a dumb question, but please, please. Okay, we were wondering, okay, so we're up in, we go up into the mountain to where it's no snow, you go up in elevation, there's snow. Okay, so in the areas where there, it's not high enough elevation, elevation to where the snow is accumulated, there's pockets of snow that have not yet melted. And we were wondering why certain areas have like buildup of snow pockets that, why are some areas melting last? Is that a field of study? Is that a thing? Is that called something? Like when it's getting warmer, whatever you, you see, like remaining pockets of snow. Why are there certain remaining pockets of snow? Why do some melt last is what I'm saying. Uh, long, uh, short answer is if you look closely, it, it comes down to the little tiny microclimate of that little square inch of earth, right? It's like, is it, in the, is it in the shade? You know, you, you drive around here, man, you get, you get pretty uh, good at this, especially if you care about snow. I mean, you're driving around and you see, it's like, okay, all things equal. The snow piles and the snow drifts, they last longest, right? So that's another thing you should consider. Like when the snow fell, was there a lot of wind? Was there a lot of drifting? In that case, oh, the snow is not uniform as it sits on the ground. It's snow drifts. Okay, that's part of it. And microclimates, got it. And then the other thing is expo just exposure to the sun, right? So is it, is it shaded like a copse of trees that's north facing, right? And Northern hemisphere is gonna be uh, very shady on that, that, that lee side, right? And then the snow will, the snow will stay there longer. The um, albedo of the surface the snow is sitting on, it's like albedo, albedo, reflectivity, right? It's like how light or dark is that surface? Oh. It's like black asphalt, right? It's gonna, it's gonna warm up, it's gonna absorb more solar radiation, it's gonna warm sooner than the light surfaces that are reflecting it back. So it's all a, 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 it's a big gumbo of, of, you know, little microclimates that will dictate where the snow is going to stick around. And it's like, well, scientifically, that might be important if you were a, a, glacier, a glacier expert and you're saying, well, how, how is it that glaciers form that you can, we can't conceive of something in Atlanta. Like, it's like, can you imagine it snowed so much and it snowed so late in the season that the snow never even melted before the next winter arrived. I mean, that's, that's how a glacier uh -huh. gets started, right? Uh -huh. And it turns out, it's interesting because for, for a, a good environment for glaciation is cold, dry summers and warm, wet winters. You think about that, it's like, yeah, if it was really cold, cool and it didn't rain much over the summer, that would help protect the snowpack and then in the wintertime, conversely, you know, it's like warm is, is relative, it's a relative term. Doesn't mean it's, it's always going to be colder in the wintertime, but if it's not unusually cold and dry, and in fact, it's sort of cool and wet, it's like, well, what's going to happen? You're going to get a, a big season of snowfall on top of that 
the stuff from last year that never even melt and it's going to start pushing it down pushing it down so next thing you have a glacier so this idea of of sort of driving up the side of the mountain and seeing that that's not black and white right you didn't either in the snowfall itself you would go through a transition it would not be instantaneous and then when you looked at the ground and the accumulation of snow as the temperature is getting colder and the snow is getting more prevalent and deeper right it's going to be a gradual thing it's going to be very analog as you experience it it's like oh so yeah it sort of gradually it changed from snow free to snow bound isn't that interesting yeah, it was. It was quite um, magical. You know, you experience it as a. You know, it is magical, way. Matt. And, and you know, there's uh, in most me uh, meteorology environments, forecasting environments, you, you find and it's, it's almost universal. It's just like, well, how did you get into this? And then, you know, there's some people that say, you know, it's just a living and I, I just matriculated here somehow. But most of the most of the people are, are weather nuts. They're weather freaks. Uh, right and 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 there's specifically there's one of three areas that they're interested in and they don't really overlap right so either you are a tropical hurricane guy tropical hurricane guy severe weather gal and I, i'm i'm, I'm being i'm being gal. silly that these do not align themselves by a male female right it's or or you are like me you are a snow hound Wow. And a snow hound is, it's somebody like for me, as is five years old. And we had a big storm before Halloween in greater Cleveland. We had a big snowstorm and uh, in, in 1962. And that was it for me. After that, it's like that. Snow was the, the most interesting thing in my life. Can, I, can you put him on hold a second? Yeah, hang on a second, Matt. Do you sure, have sure, sure. scanning capability yet? What's that? Do you have scanning capability yet? No. All right. Okay. All righty. Okay. So, so the 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 snowhounds, severe freaks, tropical tropical gurus. Those those are the that's the breakdown typically in a in a weather center. Now we had a guy who was absolutely crazy about. Uh, Heat waves. Okay. 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 Well, no, not okay. That's bad. That's weird. That's just weird. <laughs> and you know, he, he was trouble. Every, everybody thought he was weird. Okay, that's interesting. You could uh, it's tie like in heat, this heat waves. He says, "Like, hey, what are you? What are you into? Did you see that storm that hit Bismarck? Like, like what do you? Heat waves. So, so." Mm. Yeah, they'd have a heat wave like you know killing people in chicago and it's like hey, he was just he was like super animated and excited about the heat wave and you know when was it going to come and how bad was it going to be and how long was it going to last and it's like what's wrong with that guy yeah i could uh but it's still it's it. really silly and it's very you know that no, was no. really i think it probably uh masks some um sort of um Thanatos death instinct. You know, it's uh, the heat wave comes. It brings death, destruction. Yeah, and we were not we were not right to you know to shun him. We, we, it was a very bigoted thing for us to do. 
right? It's like it's like in Seinfeld when uh, you know Jerry becomes an anti-dentite. Do you remember that? <laughs> no, uh, I don't remember that one. Kramer accuses him of being a rabid anti-dentite. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. So we were yeah. like rabid anti-heat uh, wave, uh, you know, whatever. It's, so we shun this guy. It's like, no, that's that's weird. It's like, well, you're you're like you're into snow so much that you know you, you sit up and cry if uh yeah you'll you'll weep if like a, you miss a snowstorm. Right? It's like I, I've done that, you know, and I, not when I was six years old either. I was talking like eighth, ninth grade, eighth, ninth grade. I, I went to bed. I, I went to bed, and it's like it was a short. It was a short thing. It was a short thing in Cleveland. It's like six to eight inches of snow by uh, noon the next day, and. It wasn't coming. It wasn't coming. It wasn't coming. And I'm in my bed and it's midnight. I can't sleep because it's like, where is this damn snowstorm? And next thing you know, I hear this like pinging on my window behind the drapes. And I, I knew the jig was up because you know what the pinging was? The heavy sleet, sleet and freezing rain hitting the window. Um, it's like, it, oh, it's that, over. I see. The jig is up. It's, it ain't going to happen. We're, we're going to um, get. I we're, you know, we're going to get a little uh, sleep and it'll probably change the rain. And, and it's like, this storm is not happening. And I, I've told everybody, I told everybody I know. I think uh, I am a, I'm a snow, I'm a snow guy. Uh, uh, if I had to guess, cause it's just like, you just, you just can't beat snow in the winter. And I've been you said, thinking you said of it yourself. It's it's magic, right? It's it's transformative. It's it's just yeah. It's nothing like it. I mean, and and I guess you know this that you know it snows in Turkey. It's such a varied climate. I mean, there's some places in Turkey with snow six months out of the year. Um, so it snows. It snows fair amount in Istanbul, but we got um, two good snows, two good snows, and it's just such a bright spot in the winter when it snows and yeah. you know it made me think like um going through these two snows it's like i was thinking i would really like if uh if uh, one of these scripts ever uh produces fruit and by fruit i mean large amounts of money um <laughs> i would like to like spend a winter in a place where it snows the, the whole time you know what i mean to like really just sort of soak in the snow what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I'm glad you didn't get on the topic of um, European and Turkish winters because I'm I'm not very knowledgeable about that. I, I have a sort of a heavy uh, CONUS continental U.S. Uh, bias, and I, I'm curious about your winters. I'm curious about all European winters, but I'm not very knowledgeable about you know, how, uh, your particular climate. So that's interesting to me that you had a couple of significant, uh, significant snowfalls. Um, I, it, it makes me want to go uh, drill down a little bit on Turkish, on Turkish weather and see uh, the kind, not so much how much snow, but what, how does it snow in Turkey? What are the conditions? You know, are you getting uh, low pressures off the Mediterranean? Um, you know, are these, are these fronts, are these, you know, are, 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 are these, uh, situations where are you, are you getting any like ocean effect? 
snow. I don't think so, but but perhaps you know off the open waters that uh, that are adjacent to Turkey, like we get in the Great Lakes and you know and in Ohio, right? That's we get we get snowstorms where there's like no storm, right? There's no you don't look at a weather map and say, hey, why is it snowing there? It's it's like it's perfectly fine weather everywhere except downwind of these lakes. You know, so that's the famous, you know, lake effect that we get in Buffalo and Cle Cleveland also has a good uh, snow belt. And there's other places in, in the world, like in Japan, they get, um, it's, it's ultimately it's ocean effect. The Bay of Finland, a lot of ocean effects snow that affects, uh, you know, Sweden and, and Norway and, and even Denmark. Um, so I, I'd be curious to know if you guys get that in, uh, in Turkey. Bruce, I lost you. I lost you for a good amount of time. Oh. Um, damn it. It was at the most crucial moment, too. You were getting ready to explain something important, and I lost you. <laughs> I cut out, huh? Well, that's all right. We're, we've gone we've gone pretty long. I, I got a... Uh, my wife is is like waving her hands off stage here. She uh, She needs me for something. I'm not sure what Okay. Well, duty calls. I think we, I think we got to a lot of great stuff. I mean, uh, it was just great. So Bruce, you're welcome to come on the show anytime. My thought is what if we have you each season to hit us with, you see what I'm saying? That sounds like overexposure. <laughs> yes, but uh, I'll, I'll come back because yeah, it, it does feel like we, there's some other things we should talk about. And, and, and in fact, the trivia team, we should talk about your, your profession therapy, which I'm very interested in and uh, psychotherapy. I'm very interested in that. And we, you know, we didn't touch on that at all, let, let alone your, uh, your lovely wife and, and this current part of your adventure in, in Turkey and, and also your, uh, aspirations as a screenwriter and stand up. I, and I want to hear about all that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let me actually just, uh... Hey, thank you so much for listening this far. If you have listened this far, blessings be upon you because I know a lot of people bail out right before the end but thank you for listening this far. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Bruce. Hope you learned a little bit about snow. I know I did. All right. Thanks a lot.